The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, here's your host, Josh Getzoff. Welcome aboard, everybody. Hope you all are doing great, enjoying summer, gearing up for a new Penguin season, and ready to lend your ears for a very entertaining episode ahead of the Scoop Podcast. I am Josh Getzoff for the Penguins Radio Network, and in this episode, it's a name you know, but depending on where you live or how you follow hockey, there may be a few ways you know him. His past took him on a decade-plus professional career as a goaltender, one that began as a seventh-round pick in 2003 of the Pittsburgh Penguins and allowed him to see time here in the Berg with the Penguins in Northeast Pennsylvania with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and also a bit of tending goal for the Wheeling Nailers early in his career. From there, stops in Finland, Russia, Binghamton, and Elmira, New York, Austria, Finland again, Bakersfield, California, back to Finland, again to Austria, and finally Finland once more before wrapping up a playing career that transitioned him to a coaching career. His name is Andy Kyoto. And that coaching career has led him to his newest position, back here in his first pro hockey home of Pittsburgh as the Penguins goaltending coach announced earlier this summer. That path, though, it's wild. You just heard it. And it has certainly shaped him. And after the 38-year-old has spent the last three seasons working as a goaltender development coach in the organization, he's ready, he's eager for this next step. A lot to learn about the man in charge of those who tend gold for the black and gold. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Penguins goaltending coach Andy Kyoto in episode 45 of the Scoop Podcast presented by PPG. I'm happy to bring on for this episode the new goaltending coach for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Andy Kyoto. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time and congratulations. Thank you, Josh. Happy to be here with you and, uh, and excited to get to work. Yeah, can't wait to see you get to work with this Penguins team. And uh, I should say congratulations on the goaltending job and the new addition to the family. You're kind of tending goal on the fatherhood front. Daughter Maya, uh, two months old, born in June, joining your wife, Melissa, and your son, Ben. I'm sure it's busy and exciting times in the Kyoto household right now. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, there was a, a bit of, of a journey, uh, even in having Ben as our first first boy and and then now with Maya at home, you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago, my wife, we were all together and, you know, in the bedroom and just before going to bed and all four of us were there with our dog and we just kind of looked at each other and it was a, a real nice moment uh, of gratitude and just have the whole family together uh, at home. Uh, it's been really special. Family time is the best time, especially uh, before you get into the chaos that is the NHL season. Uh, which, as you and I speak right now, is not too far away, just a, a little over a month till training camp. Uh, there'll be some development action in Pittsburgh prior to that, obviously. But as far as you're concerned, as we mentioned, taking on the role as the Penguins goaltending coach, and for you, I feel like on the surface, this seems to be a sweet spot that your career post-playing trajectory and this job kind of lined up at a perfect moment for you. How do you view it as far as you know why things felt right to take on this uh, situation and this opportunity at this moment in your career? Well, I think it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity with a, just a first class elite organization that I have a, a history with. I experienced as a draft pick and as a player and have maintained some really positive and quality relationships over the years 
with different players and teammates and and staff members and to come back into the organization in the development role and you know get the opportunity to to work with our prospects here and and just continue to to really be surrounded with former Stanley Cup champions and elite athletes and and management that have you know gone through a, a process of their own and they've seen so much and and so you learn each year you get to contribute in your own way each year and when the opportunity presented itself you obviously think about you know this is a it's a great place to be and and it's a it's an organization that I believe in and you know goaltenders that I believe in and you know for all those reasons it's um you know the alternative you just didn't seem to be an option of not you know not moving forward with the opportunity so really excited about it um excited to work with you know so many great people you know the athletes the individuals on our on our team the goaltenders um there's just a lot of a lot of reasons why um it really felt you know like a, a great opportunity to to take advantage of well, you touched on a few things there that I definitely want to go deeper on as we continue this conversation, but you mentioned it right off the top. You're not new to this organization. Originally a draft pick of the Penguins, seventh round back in 2003. Uh, you've been in a development role in the organization prior to that, or prior to you know taking on your current job here as the goaltending coach. Obviously, you've been in and out of the organization in the years prior to that situation. Uh, how big is that as far as just knowing the lay of the land, knowing what's expected. And I know there's been a regime change here over the last calendar year or so with Ron Hextall and Brian Burke coming on board, but a lot of the uh, secondary pieces in the organization have stayed the same. So from your perspective, how big is that familiarity with making a move of this magnitude, you know, within the Penguins organization? It's a good question. I, I don't have anything to compare it to at this point in time, um, but I can only imagine that that familiarity with the, you know, our management and our staff members that I interact with every single day contributes to making it significantly more smooth. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of moving parts right now. There's, there's responsibilities, there's things to get done in a short period of time. We have, you know, two, three, four weeks to, you know, get things organized on the goaltenders front. Um, you know, there's obviously I'll play a part or a role in combined with management on filling the development role uh, for Wilkes-Barre and our prospects. There's different responsibilities and moving parts alone, you know. Um, so I could only imagine not having familiarity with the the people I'm working with, or you know, Patrick Alvine, um, obviously right. got gotten to know Ron Hextall as well, and and Scott Young, uh, our our director of development, Tom Kostopoulos. Like you go through the people you've been interacting with on a daily basis for quite some time. Now you add responsibilities that just have to get done. Just you know, work that has to get done. And you don't have the extra moving part of getting to know the people you're working with as well. Same thing with the goaltenders. You know, you're able to, I'm able to reach out and, and we've had previous experience together in the American League. So that first conversation is definitely not a continuation conversation. It's, it's a new beginning for sure, but there is a level of familiarity. So I guess the answer to your question is, I think it's helped a lot um, so far because, you know, there's responsibilities to be had and I'm doing it with people that, I have a comfort level and experience with. And you do have a relationship with Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith, who, as it stands right now, will be the battery mates once again for the Penguins going into this 2021-2022 season. Uh, two guys that have had their fair share of NHL success, granted in small doses, but 
how eager are you to kind of just be able to dive into it headfirst with the two of them? I know, you, as you mentioned, you've worked with them in the past. There is some prior relationship there, but to continue to build upon that and, and take it almost into the, a little pod with the three of you guys moving into this season. I'm very excited. And I think it's really important to seek first to understand uh, before being understood in any way. I think it's always something I thought of when you see different executives or, or coaches or even players, less to a player's extent, but staff members go into a new organization. I think there's a, a real, um, I think there's a lot of value in almost a responsibility to understand the way things have been going, the way things have been done, what the athletes want, what staff members want. And that process, I think, is you just absolutely can't skip, skip that step in the orders of operation. So for me, Casey's grown. You know, since since we've been together, Jari, he's grown since we've been together. I've grown since we've been together. And I think it's important to get to know one another, continue to get to know one another in our current um, state where we are in our current lives and, and professions and and really understand what they need to, you know, contribute to facilitating an environment for success. So I'm really excited to get to work with those guys. I'm really excited to learn more about where those guys are at currently. And obviously just the work is I'm pretty passionate about the work. So excited to get to work. Goaltending to me has always just been such a unique position, Andy. I mean, I, I was not a goaltender when I played. I played out. I was a forward. I was a winger. I always had a lot of respect for guys that played goal. But a lot of people always say that they're kind of a, a different wired human than the guys that would play in front of them because you're stopping a piece of vulcanized rubber sometimes coming at you in the triple digits on the mile per hour scale uh, on a frequent basis. But really when you look at the position, there's just nothing like it, I don't think, in professional sports. And from the outsider perspective, I see it as a lot of it on the surface being a reactive position because you're you know, essentially reacting to the shots coming in. But from what I've read about you and your approach in this kind of a role, there's a lot of proactive uh, type of mentality that goes into preparing your goaltenders. What do you kind of do, I guess, as far as getting guys in the right mindset when they get on the ice to be uh, strong in their reactive abilities from what's built from their off ice, their practice habits, everything in that sense uh, from the goaltender perspective? That's another, another great question and point. For me, I believe confidence comes from preparation. I think, you know, if we could be proactive and we can take control of the things that we can control, we have a better chance of, uh, of course, it's a reactive uh, position uh, by definition. Sure. But at the same time, I think, you know, like I said, confidence comes from preparation. Maybe we can all look ahead to what, what we need on a regular basis as far as our habits, our daily routines to stay ahead of the potential challenges that are going to come our way. I think the NHL moves way too fast. The schedule moves way too fast to be playing catch up. So I think it's important to identify our fundamentals that we want to hammer every single day. Um, you know, take the time to make that game plan early on and make adjustments as we go and little fine tweaks as we go, rather than being reactive to all the different stimulus and challenges that are going to come our way. So that's our challenge right now. It's a tall task. You know, we have that's our responsibility right now to to try to get ahead of whatever we're we're going to face. It takes you know transparency from the goaltenders and myself and our coaching staff to identify. Hey, you know, where are some areas that we you know, look back on and and could improve, and what are some areas that we don't want to change a thing? You know, um, 
So I think that process, it's reactive, but we want to be proactive. We want to be, Mike Buckley actually always referenced the, you know, word at cause, you know, cause and effect, laws of cause and effect. And we want to be at cause. We want to be uh, in control to at least the degree of things that we can control, because the reality is there's so many things that we cannot control. Right. And I think that's a, the perfect mindset in life, let alone being a goaltender. So it's uh, definitely interesting to hear you kind of put that into action with your goaltenders and your approach. You said something there that I found really interesting. You said that the, the schedule moves too fast, the year moves too fast to kind of be dwelling on anything, which is true. And I, I almost want to take that to a different lane in just the NHL in general. I mean, I, I'm only 32, but I remember when I was younger, a first round pick, even a top 10 pick, you, you wouldn't always see them in the NHL right away. There was some development involved. And now credit to how development has changed and how strong and fast and, and skilled a lot of these kids are. But you start to see kids jump in now that are 18, that are 19. I mean, the Penguins obviously will have Sam Poulin and Nathan Langare competing for spots in camp this year, two younger guys on that end of the spectrum. But from the goaltender perspective, there seems to be um, almost a rushed aspect with a lot of younger goaltenders uh, in the game today. And a lot of that stems from success. I mean, I think back not even too far in Penguins history, everyone knows where I'm going with this, with Matt Murray and what he was able to do in winning back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. A guy that you worked with in Jordan Bennington, who I'll talk about in a little bit later uh, in our conversation. But there seems to also be the aspect of guys like Tristan Jari, who's 26, Maybe had to figure it out a little bit as far as being a professional. And Casey DeSmith, who figured out a route to the NHL in being a professional, uh, who's now 30 years old to, to kind of stabilize themselves in the NHL. I guess my roundabout thought there that I'm curious for your perspective on is there's no real set way for a goaltender to be NHL ready until you find them in a position to be ready. And I, I'm just curious for your approach on that like when you when you look at a goaltender you say okay this kid was you know 22 he's 21 we just drafted him what does it take for him to get to this point to be in the nhl uh and how you've seen that progress in the sense of you know tristan and casey's sense yeah i i think you know figuring it out i think it's finding things that work for you and that takes self-awareness that takes a development of your daily habits your routines understanding your game understanding where you can grow in your game where you're already strong in your game and i think each goaltender when he does make that step to the national hockey league or when he makes that step to a full-time number one or a regular performing uh top goaltender in the league it's usually because you've you've got this real good self-awareness your skill set um, is firing at you know everything is firing on all cylinders really on the ice off the ice mental technical, physical, but then the reality is, is you can figure it out all you want, but it's a daily, you have to earn it on a daily basis. The NHL, like I said, it's a super highway. It's moving every day so fast. And if you take your foot off the gas pedal, someone's going to pass you. Someone's going to, you know, get the better end of you. So I think step one is figuring out what works for you, figuring out, you know, how to live your life in a way that's conducive to being a consistent pro. Um, and that goes to family, that goes to your, your, your lifestyle, your, your habits, just things that you, you know, your ability to disconnect from the game. Um, there's all kinds of moving parts, but do you ever really, you know, I think to a degree you figure things out, but then once you do have that in place, it's about bringing that every single day and respecting the game, respecting the league, 
you need to have uh, the utmost of confidence and good people around you for sure. I think your support system is incredibly important. Um, but then it's, uh, it, it, I think when a, when a guy brings those things together, that's when he starts knocking on the door to the NHL. And there's many examples that I have of different goaltenders who needed to find a piece off the ice. They needed to find a piece with their daily lifestyles and habits. There's other goalies that needed to find a piece on the ice. There were certain aspects of their game that they just didn't have confidence in, that maybe they'd go into a big game worried about that aspect. So cleaning those things up, getting, you know, if you rank every aspect of your game and life out of 10, and you have eights and nines in five or six categories and fours and fives in the other, how do we get those fours and fives to a seven or eight? Um, or nine. Right. So I think it's a process of figuring it out for sure, but then it's about bringing it every single day. And that's something, obviously, as far as figuring out is concerned, that uh, Tristan Jari has seemed to have done in his career, as we mentioned, 26 years old, uh, coming off a really strong season last year, Andy. And I know a lot of people listening to this are going to zero in on that six-game series against the New York Islanders. But this is still a kid that won 25 games in his first year as a number one goaltender in the NHL. Uh, he guided the Penguins. I think you used it. I, I don't feel like that's a loose word to use in that situation. He guided them to an East Division championship with how he played between the pipes. Um, but everyone is obviously still kind of, I shouldn't say everyone. There's a large portion of people that are still stemmed on what happened against the Islanders. And I know Ron Hextall has spoken about this. He obviously, having been a, a very successful National Hockey League goaltender, that it's his first go around. Things like that happen. It's about the response. Um, in your conversations with Tristan, he strikes me, the, the times that I've spoken with him and dealt with him, as a pretty level-headed guy, a guy that kind of lets things brush away from him pretty quickly. And I mean that in a complimentary way, as far as not having a long-term memory. How do you feel like he's kind of preparing himself to get back into the right set of mind this season. Obviously last year did not end how he or the Penguins wanted it to, but as I mentioned, when you look at the large body of work, I mean, he was in the top 10 in the NHL goaltender wise, pretty much consistently across the board from the second, third week of the season till the start of the Stanley cup playoffs. Well, I think just through osmosis, through going through that process, you are able to grow and learn, you know, without anything even being said to you. I think going through that experience innately, You'll identify certain things that you want to um, continue to to hold in your daily routines and your and your game, and then you naturally figure out things that hey, I, I want to make sure I'm on top of this as well. So I think just naturally, there's a process attached to the ups and downs that we all experience as goaltenders. So there's that, um, you know. And if that if if his experience, however he's internalized it, um, has him doing a little extra or a little less, who knows or um, however, he's processed that, how he's, he's, he's looked at his first, you know, full season, you know, in that capacity, it will contribute to just naturally taking more steps. Um, but if a goaltender went through and won a Stanley Cup next season, last season, his approach to the following season doesn't change. So then the question would be, can he do it again? And then he'd have to get back to work and have a really good off season and make sure that he proves to people that he's for real. And so for me, I, I, I'm less interested in, in considering or thinking about, you know, what's happened other than a standpoint to learn what's worked and, you know, maybe what, what could be improved upon, but regardless of last year's outcome, it's a new day. Be where your feet are. Our feet are here today. He's got another season to prepare for that doesn't have a memory like next year doesn't remember the puck has no idea what happened last year the puck's going to come at him the same way 
And I think our responsibility is to be in the present, have a growth mindset, get better every single day, and, and keep building and growing. And um, that would not change if, if the Pittsburgh Penguins won a Stanley Cup next year and Tristan was starting the season. Um, he'd have work to do to follow that up. And that's just our focus. It's, you know, be where your feet are, here we are, and let's get better and, and provide our team with uh, good, honest, hardworking, you know, daily routines and, and, and provide our team with quality goaltending. That's our focus. And that'll obviously be the goal for you and the Penguins and Tristan and Casey coming into this 2021-2022 season. But you mentioned goaltenders that, that win a Stanley Cup coming back stronger and wanting to be even better and do it again the next year. Uh, I happened to take a gander down the Instagram route, Andy, and, and came across your Instagram, uh, which uh, had some great photos, some great videos of goaltenders that you're working with. I mean, I've seen, obviously, a few that wore the Penguins sweater this past year, and Max Legasse and Casey DeSmith doing some work. We know Casey's rehabbing uh, from the injury uh, that he had in the offseason surgery. Before I get to where I was going to go with Jordan Bennington, let me ask you about that really quickly. How has he looked on the front of the rehab? I actually just talked to Casey a week or so ago, and he said everything was progressing well. But from the, the coaching standpoint, uh, how is he progressing with respect to training camp being, you know, essentially a month away? Yeah, well, on all accounts, Casey is just a guy who continually puts in the effort, and he, he's, he's passionate, he's competitive, and rehabbing this injury he would use those character traits to move through it just like stopping pucks. So, you know, he quickly identified what needs to be done uh, to take steps. He went through those steps and, and he, he's in a real good spot right now. He's, he's feeling really good about himself on the ice and he feels good about his body and he understands it's a daily, um, there's a daily approach to this to making sure that he's, you know, activating properly and worked with our, with our fantastic uh, strength staff. Um, I actually just spoke to uh, Alex Trinka the other day, and it just sounds like he's he's progressed as well as as he could uh, to this point. I know you know on the ice he feels quite good, and again it's going to be a daily, daily. You know you talk about reactive. You know prehab is important, just staying ahead and on top of things. Um, you know, but Casey's approached his rehab with the same vigor that he approaches stopping pucks, and 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 it's gone quite well for him, and he's in a really good spot right now. He obviously is a guy that uh, I think it's fair to say understands the process and respects the process, having you know played in the ECHL, worked his way to the AHL, of course, finding his footing here with the Penguins in a backup role last season, you know, working with Tristan Jari going into this season. As I mentioned, 30 years old, he's paid his dues and certainly has earned his spot. Um, and I think you could make the same case and then obviously add a Stanley Cup ring to another guy that you've worked with in Jordan Bennington with the uh, St. Louis Blues. And I know that there's a relationship between the two of you guys. As I mentioned, I, I came across Instagram doesn't lie, Andy. So I've seen the uh, the photos. I've seen you hanging out with the Stanley Cup with uh, with Jordan. I noticed you weren't touching it, which obviously we, we understand from the hockey superstition perspective. Uh, but take me through that relationship and how. Um, impressive it was to see what he was able to do a guy that you know clearly from the build has the size and the strength to be an nhl goaltender and clearly between the ears has it as well based on bouncing from the echl to the ahl to finding his way into st louis's uh roster and then you know fighting his way to the net and earning them a stanley cup yeah it was a it was a special journey you know so far for jordan and it it 
the relationship with he and I started, you know, pretty rather organically. I was actually training at a place in Toronto, um, you know, at the tail end of my career. And at that point I was, you know, in my mid thirties or early thirties and Jordan was a younger guy with a lot of talent, you know, missing some key pieces. As far as preparation goes, there were some areas of his game. He wasn't, you know, supremely confident with, um, organizing his life, just different things that at that point he hadn't, like you talked about earlier, figured out or, or hadn't come together for him yet. And, you know, due to the, the state I was in, in my career, those is specific and tangible things that were things I relied upon, my preparation, my daily habits, my work, um, you know, just really understanding my game on the ice. And, and we kind of just, in, a, in passing that summer, um, we, you know, we talk a little bit and we started to build a little bit of a relationship. And so he went off to play his season in Chicago Wolves. I went off to play my season in Europe and his season was kind of wishy-washy up and down, some good moments, some not so good moments. My season ended where, you know, my wife and I decided that was probably going to be the last one if we had to move again. And the options were thin for me. And we just had a quick talk at the end of the season and, and kind of said, you want to do this together? Like, let's get to work. And it was really, a really powerful moment. And that was my first step out of playing. So we just got to work in May of that year. We worked all through the summer, May to September, and you know, addressed all those different issues and went on this really cool journey together that summer. Um, and uh, and he went on and had a really great year in the American League. And he took some big steps in his life and on the ice. And we continued that relationship. And he was on loan to Providence that year. Um, so it wasn't in the St. Louis Blues organization. But then the following year, he came back that summer and continued to take more steps, more steps, more confidence. More people were saying, whoa, this guy's coming. Like something's changing about him. And, you know, to his credit, when he got his opportunity, that you know fortunately came midway through the year he was really prepared for it and he was hungry for it and his game was ready his life was ready his mindset was ready and those you you touched on it where things are coming together and a guy starts to figure things out and starts to connect pieces i always say it's like a puzzle and different guys have different pieces missing to that puzzle for you know for you to frame that puzzle and put it on the wall you know it might be a small piece it might be a couple big pieces so with him he was able to put together you know two or three pieces and the net result was him performing at a really high level in the NHL and then winning the Stanley Cup with his team. And uh, again, to your to your point earlier, that summer was, hey, no, you have to follow this up in September. And, and what's that preparation going to look like? And what is a typical starting goaltender in the NHL, the best ones? You know, we're putting five, six, seven, ten years together of 50, 60 games, 30 plus wins. You know, this is just the beginning. And um, so to his credit, he was able to have a, another really good summer and, and come in strong and, and have a really good start to the next season. And, and then again, like anyone else, you know, he has his uh, really positive moments, just like any other goaltender in the world, has areas where he has to respond and rebound from and grow. And, you know, there's if you line up 10 goalies in a row, they've probably dealt with, you know, the similar things, all of them. And that's the nature of the position. I have an interesting story about Jordan Bennington, actually, when um... – we were in St. Louis. This would have been the year that they ended up going on to win the cup. But when they were mired in that slump that uh, costed Mike Yoa's job when Craig Berube came in, I actually think it was Craig Berube's second or third game as the interim head coach when the Penguins were in St. Louis. But it was in the midst of that. You could tell they were turning a corner, but no one knew the type of corner they would turn at that point. Uh, and Jake Allen was still the guy uh, as far as the goaltender was concerned. And I was sitting there watching the morning skate for the Blues. 
as you know, the home team traditionally skates before the, the visiting team does. So they were wrapping up and guys were getting off the ice and they had the scratches working and Biddington was stretching uh, in the middle of the ice. And I'm not going to pretend to act like I knew a whole lot about Jordan Biddington, but he was standing there stretching. And I remember thinking that's a huge goaltender. And I wasn't really paying that close of attention to him, but whoever it was uh, with the blues, as far as the scratches shot a puck at him while he was stretching at center ice. And he got up and shot the puck back at him and he wasn't happy about it. And someone said something to him, which I couldn't really hear, but all I heard him say was just wait till I get in the net. And it kind of stuck with me. Actually, when he did that, I looked down because I said, who's 50? I was like, okay, Jordan Bennington. So I circled his name. And I still have that game note because I thought it was kind of funny that five months later, he's in that net. He's winning game seven in Boston to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, and he struck me as a guy that, as I said, you know, goaltenders, I think, have an interesting line where some people think that they're, some of them that are good, think that they're cocky. But I think it's a confidence factor. And he seemed to really have that in his game. And did you kind of sense that develop with his game? Like, is that come hand in hand with the goaltender? Or sometimes are they too confident for their own good? Yeah, definitely came hand in hand with his belief in himself. And like any goaltender, not, you know, him or anyone else, you know, confidence, like I said earlier, comes from preparation. When you feel you've done that work, when you feel you're in a good spot, you actually start to draw connections with your desire to succeed as well. And, and you're not going to let yourself off the hook because you've done a lot of work to get there. You've, you've, you've start to feel like you deserve success and you're earning success. Um, and I think that certainly contributes to confidence. Uh, Trevor Daly always says, you know, show me a confident player and I'll show you a great player. Confidence is such a big part of it, but you can't really fake confidence. It's, it's something that, you know, you, you have to feel, you have to earn and something that it's a, it's a cumulative effect. So the other point is that different goalies deal with the challenges they face on a daily basis in different ways. You know, there was an article about Carey Price being at the boards, you know, for a TV timeout and he's yawning. And some might say, you know, you know, Carey Price, he's barely engaged, but I would, I would probably argue that no, he's actually, you know, that's a, a stress mechanism as well. Like that's him, you know, in his own way, I can't speak to this, but, you know, maybe, you know, just his way of, expressing stress and and you know in that moment um but he's relaxing and some guys do it with outward displays like maybe you saw there with jordan bennington maybe that was his way of getting himself to the place that he has to be and i think there's a level of self-awareness for all these guys all of us that you know to manage ourselves on a daily basis manage what's going on around us on a daily basis there's different ways that different guys deal with things and in that moment you you might have seen a real confidence in jordan and that might have been a reflection of where his head was at, like, you know, maybe a mindset of I want to prove the whole entire world wrong. And that showed through in those little, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, those mannerisms or those actions. So I think different goalies uh, are often our play is an expression of our thoughts. Our actions are an expression of our thoughts. And, and that's probably what you see in those moments from different guys. And obviously, he certainly cemented his status uh, in the world with what he was able to do uh, in the subsequent months ahead, guiding the Blues to that Stanley Cup championship, the only one in their history. And he was the guy between the pipes the night it happened there in Boston. You mentioned the end of your playing career, kind of linking up with his, uh, I guess, blossoming playing career with where he was at. And you had a unique career, Andy, in the sense that you spent a decade plus as a professional goalie, but it was early in your career when you got to the National Hockey League. and then 
a lot of other years were spent, you know, AHL, ECHL, but also playing in the KHL in Austria and Finland. To me, on the surface, that's a lot of different perspectives. And I'm sure a lot of different goaltenders and a lot of different personalities that you kind of meshed with over the years in those roles and on those teams. How did that kind of shape you as to the, the mindset that you have now on the coaching side and also maybe just the mindset as far as what you try to um, push on to your goaltenders when you work with them? Yeah, I think early on when I first started coaching, I started coaching, you know, for a few years before I had retired from playing or call it retirement, but very much not retirement for me, but stop <laughs> on to the next chapter. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, a part of me didn't want to have connections to, you know, the things that I shared with athletes or the way I learned to coach or coach, um, you know, that was just biased based on what I did as a player, because I thought to myself, Hey, this is what worked for me as a player. And did it work? I mean, at the end of the day, who's to say what worked and what didn't. So I really tried to develop a fresh approach to my coaching and learn as much as I could from different people and video and, and the goaltenders that I worked with. And sometimes I didn't rely on my playing experience um, to help the goaltenders along, you know, to a fault. And what I learned was that that experience that I had was really valuable. And I did find myself in all kinds of different situations where there were some years I didn't have a contract until September, October, and I had to find a way to get my own ice, find my own goalie coach, stay fresh, you know, skate with a junior team, find a way to keep myself ready to prolong my career. And some of those were my best years that I ever had. And I turned, you know, myself and which, with whatever team I was with, turned that difficult situation into maybe a new contract. And, and that's a life experience that regardless, concepts are concepts. Whether you experience that at the American League level or you experience that in Russia or Finland, we're all kind of going through similar things as players, as goaltenders. So what I started to realize was those, that exposure to different countries, different coaches, different styles, um, that all contributes to, it has shaped me as a coach. And I don't think that I could really shy away from that. It is part of my process. And I do believe in daily habits. I do believe that, you know, our, our preparation is important. I do believe in, um, you know, having a game plan that you believe in. And, 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 I, and I think that we are all different as goaltenders. And I think the human side is, is a big component. So the experience I had, it was vast. It was, it was, it was diverse rather, um, you know, I had experience in the East Coast, the American League, the NHL. And I do think that that has played a role in probably how I think to a degree. Um, but I do think that what, it, what that type of career does, it, it definitely promotes resilience. You know, I, I think you're, you, have to, you have to really want it. You have to love the game to, to live in all those different places and, and you know, live in different homes and apartments. And my wife was with me and you know, to put in what I had to put in in the off seasons just to stay competitive with you know, at my size at 5'11 and my body type and um, the skill set I had, I really had to squeeze, squeeze a lot out of myself on a regular basis. And I was fortunate to have good people around me. That's why I've come to understand how important your, your support system is, your strength coaches, your trainers, your treatment staff, you know, understanding the value of, you know, vision and, and breathing and different things like that, that people around me supported me with and helped me stay healthy. So do I, when, when we talk about preventative and being reactive, yeah, prehab, very important, you know, trying to stay ahead of things so that we, you know, can give ourselves a chance to be, um, healthy and strong throughout the course of a season. So I would say my experience did shape me as a player. I'm grateful to the different coaches that I got to learn from, goalie coaches, head coaches, 
I, I definitely had a, a lot of people around me that have shaped, you know, who, where I'm at and where I'm going to continue to, to, to push towards. So yeah, it was a, it was a lot. My career took me to a lot of different places for sure. Was there a place uh, that jumps out? Like when you think back to like, oh, wow, that was a beautiful spot. I really enjoyed playing there. Um, aside from Elmira, New York, was there a place that jumps out? Um, they had different, for different reasons, they all, they all jumped out. I mean, Russia was just such a unique experience. The, the players, the league, the lifestyle, the travel, the coaching, there, it, was, it was a really unique experience. Um, and it was just expands your horizons. It broadens the way you see places in the world that you could never have imagined going. It could be Siberia, for example. You have an idea in your head of what Siberia looks like until you take a look. And then you connect to it in a, in a different way, or there's different smaller towns in, in Russia that it's great for your eyes to see. It's great for your, just for your, just to feel what that's like. You feel far, far away from home. You can be in Habarovsk near China, um, you know, playing a road game. So there was a real life experience attached to that. The hockey was good. A lot of good players, um, you know, wasn't the easiest season for me. That's for sure. But another one you learn from Finland, you really appreciate um, the work ethic, the character, the, the system that they work with every day, the, the players desire to move on to the NHL and, and graduate from their league and move on to Russia, Sweden. So there was like a different component there. It was a really like hardworking blue collar country that the players just had a real high respect for the game and work ethic. And then Austria, there was, you know, it was similar to North America in the sense we had seven, eight imports. The lifestyle was incredible. You talk about wellness, like I'd ride, ride my bike to the rink every day. You're, you know, snow-capped mountains and lakes and, and you're still preparing and, you know, putting forth the effort that you would if you were playing in the National Hockey League. But there's this really cool wellness component to being there and how good you felt as a human being, like your body. And so none jumps out as one particular place, but they all jump out equally with different experiences that, um, you know, I have no, right now I'm so happy where I'm at and I don't have a desire to go back to any of them right now. <laughs> and maybe I will, um, but the experiences were really, really good. Let me uh, ask you a couple final things and then we'll wind down. You mentioned a couple of those European destinations. Uh, we talked about Casey DeSmith and Tristan Jari, but I did want to ask you about two uh, young European goaltenders that are in the Penguins system that I know the organization holds in high regard, and uh, Kelly Lang and Yoel Bloomquist, uh, two guys that were drafted a couple of years back by the Pens. How have you kind of seen their development, I guess, from afar, it would be really, with over the last year and, and their already participation overseas in their respective leagues? Uh, have you seen their development kind of progress? And uh, what should Penguins fans be excited about on the front of those two guys moving forward? Well, I actually got an opportunity to meet them both in person in Plymouth a few weeks back, which was really great to connect, you know, your Zoom calls or phone calls and video work to, to them in person, which I think is another level of connection you, you get to achieve on that front. What you can expect from Kale is first with, with, with Kale, he, um, he's high character kid. He, he's a guy that his teammates gravitate towards. He, he has like natural leadership qualities um, and not, not by being outspoken or things like that, but they're just a kind of a presence around him that his teammates gravitate toward him. Really good attitude. Um, you know, he's got a growth mindset. He's always looking to get better. He, you know, his game is, I think it, it, it could suit North America quite well. He manages traffic well and, and he's competitive in the net and he, and he has a winning mindset. 
and he's going to need to make obviously some there's there's growth to be had with him you know he's going to have to improve diff, you know few different aspects of his game to translate to north america and improve you know you know the way he moves or efficiency in the net or you know not to go into too too many specifics but he's got these really good intangible skills uh, that are innate that are inside him that you can't see and he's got a quality game and and he's got a number of areas to build upon and he's going to need time that's the reality you know he's going to need time in europe to develop through their top league and, and then time to come over to north america and make adjustments in the american league um but there's some good things to be excited with kyle and a wonderful person um with joel you know he's got fa fantastic talent he's a smooth mover he's got good size he has you know excellent play reading ability actually so does Colin. um he, he, he reads the play well and tight. He, he really does a good job. Um, he's just got natural, good natural instincts and tight, um, you know, flexible. There's, there's a, a body type that, you know, has, has a chance to, to be really good for, for a long time. And then just the same way, he needs to grow. He needs to mature. He needs to get stronger. There's some simple aspects of his game that he needs to improve upon and clean up to be successful in North America. Um, so both have, you know, really good quality skills that some of them are hard to teach and both have work that they really have to, you know, get done, which is going to happen over time, um, through some trial and error, through some ups and downs and through, and some coaching is going to be important for them too. Areas that, um, they're going to have to clean up to, to really feel that consistency. But I think we should be, you know, excited about the fact that we have two goaltenders in the system that are going to work to, to find their way to the National Hockey League. You mentioned that. We obviously have two strong goaltenders in the National Hockey League. So a strong cupboard uh, on the surface there, at least between the pipes, is concerned for the Penguins. Going to have fun with the last thing, Andy, and then we're going to let you go. I mentioned a, a long professional career. Early on in that career, you played in Pittsburgh. You played eight games for the Penguins, one of them not in Pittsburgh, one of them out west in Glendale, Arizona. I know Penguins fans probably don't want to be reminded of this, but there was a certain losing streak in the balance when you went between the pipes that night against the Coyotes. Rick Jackman ended it in overtime with a 4-3 Penguins victory. I believe that was on February 25th, 2004, and I don't believe I just looked at a note there. Otherwise, I would never have known that off the top of my head. Did you know that off the top of your head? Because you were the man in net that night, 28 saves uh, for one of your three NHL victories. What was that one uh, like, uh, you know, looking back on that? I know maybe not the fondest lead-in, but a big victory for you in the moment, probably. It was fun. It was fun to see the guys who had been working so hard and going through this tough stretch, a really tough stretch, to say the least. And the excitement that everyone felt after that game, the energy in the room, it just been so much, so many nights of losing and that takes a toll on everybody and nobody, no one deserves that. No one wants to go through that. You don't want to see anybody go through that. So to be a part of that with the group and feel the excitement in the room and relief as well, there's, you know, a sense of relief. And we had a really fun time on that road trip, you know, went in a couple of days earlier uh, to Phoenix and team at a rookie party dinner and there was a lot of camaraderie. That was my first road trip in the NHL. And, and the group really just had a good week together. And to come up with that win in overtime, for me to be a part of it in my, you know, my first NHL win, it was a special evening. And uh, yeah, one I won't forget. Uh, I, I remember, yeah, just, I remember, you know, the guys between periods and some of the things guys were saying, um, it was just a good, a good feeling. And the, and the team went on to, to have a pretty strong, 
you know, last quarter of the season or whatever it was uh, from that point. So fun memory, fun to be a part of, you know, would it would have been nice to have it, have it go even longer. Um, but it was a memory for me. Definitely. And I think, you know, when you look at that and kind of rounding out with this idea where the team was at there in 0304 and now looking at who they are now and seeing, you know, the five Stanley Cup banners, two of them fairly recent, you stepping onto a team and staff that, you know, is led by Mike Sullivan uh, and his group and obviously Ron Hextall and Brian Burke at the top. But to see the transformation, I guess, with not just the on ice product of the Penguins, but the perception of the Penguins from then to now. How exciting is it to be a part of the now when you were a part of the then also with the Penguins? Very exciting. And you you mentioned Mike Sullivan and the leadership he's brought to the organization. And really, when we talked earlier about all these different individuals who have had so much success and you know have been part of Stanley Cups and and they're just great people with great hockey minds and work off and unrelenting work ethic. And there's an environment that it's there's so many quality moving parts from the athletes, the players, to the staff, to the coaches. There's a lot of experience. So um, that's exciting to be a part of. It's exciting to contribute to. It's exciting to learn from. There's a good energy around, you know, um, environments like that that you can't help but be excited about. So again, you get get to work. Um, there's work to be done. Um, but to see that transformation, to be here, you know, to have that experience back in the day that I had, I mean, 18 years ago, I guess it is now at this point, um, it's, it's, it's a good reminder of why you work so hard every day to, to drive results, to drive growth. And, and you just have a, a real respect for the NHL and, and how, how competitive the league is and, and how hard it is to, you know, stay on top and, and, and push. Uh, even farther. So to see that transformation, very special to have exposure to both. Um, I think it's there's some education there and 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 appreciation and gratitude, and and just grateful to be part of a wonderful organization that had the resilience, you know, right from the top, the resilience to get through that and not only get through it but thrive. Um, really nice to be a part of. Well, I think a lot of people are really excited to have you be a part of it in the role that you're in now, goaltending coach for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Andy, I really appreciate your time. I know it's a busy time, as I mentioned, with the little ones, with the new job, with the uh, transition to everything here full-time in Pittsburgh, but we are excited that you're here and we're looking forward to the 2021-2022 season. So thanks again for taking the time and we'll see you in just about a month at the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate connecting with you. Thank you. All right, that is Andy Kyoto, Penguins goaltender coach. Great for him to join us here on episode 45 of the Scoop Podcast. We appreciate everyone out there tuning in. Again, you can download on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Music, or just click the link on the Penguins website. It's all available for you there at pittsburghpenguins.com. Again, my thanks to Andy Kyoto. I'm Josh Getzoff from the Penguins Radio Network. This has been the Scoop Podcast presented by PPG, and we'll talk to you next time.